0: Welcome to another edition of the Deliberation Sports Podcast. Coming to you live, wherever you may be, how you may be listening. We definitely appreciate y'all for checking us out, man. Another great a show we got lined up for y'all on this day. Um, so we're going to get right into it, man. Got my guys Justice Bolden, Evan DeVoe. I am Josh Midget here, ready to get it cracking started, popping, kicking, whatever you want to say, man, on this edition. A lot of stuff to get to, but first, Justice let the people know how they can follow Deliberation on social media and everything else. They can follow us on
1: Twitter at Deliberation SP1 and on Instagram and also Facebook at Deliberation Sports Podcast and also we have the Facebook group Deliberation Sports Community. Not only that, they can also subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts,
0: Spotify and Anchor. Yes sir, yes sir man. So we're going to get right into it. Be sure y'all subscribe and check out Uh, past edition as well. Got some great interviews with some people, got some great conversations with just us three. Uh, I'll see y'all check it all out. So, starting off a little something different, I'm gonna start off with some prep action. High school big game went down that was on ESPN. Matter of fact, uh, but two, uh, well, several of the top prospects in the country. We're talking about Rancho Christian, uh, taking on Memphis East, formerly. Uh, where Penny Hardaway was the coach, but they still have the number one player in the class of uh, 2019 is James Wiseman, uh, as well as uh, number one player in 2020, Evan Mobley, uh, as well. Rare number one versus number one uh, matchup there. A lot of headlines coming into this, man. A lot of national attention uh, surrounded around Memphis, down in West Memphis, man. But talking about the matchup, Justice, how'd you feel about it? What do you think uh, about what you saw from the prospects?
1: Well, when you look at uh, Rancho Christian, obviously they got the the Mobleys, uh, mm-hmm. but it was the kid from Gonzaga, uh, twenty five points, uh, had a big time poster on Wiseman, uh, which is which is going to happen in basketball. He was really the difference in the game when you look at it. The East guards, uh, Mary Weather. And Antonio uh, Thomas, they just dribbled the ball and dribbled the ball and dribbled the ball. And at, at some point, I, I was just frustrated for Wiseman himself. And you could kind of see uh, where he was uh, visibly, uh, probably upset down the stretch when he wasn't getting the ball. Uh, but when he did get the ball, he was James Wiseman, whether it was Duncan uh, blocking shots. Uh, I think he finished with four block shots, uh, mm-hmm. face and, face up jumpers. And he had one play, which I really like. And I want to see more of that from James. He caught it up top at the three-point line, took one dribble, drove right, and dunked with his right hand over the number one junior in the country, Evan Mobley. It was nasty. Uh, But Malcolm Dandridge, for me, uh, was a story for Memphis East. Uh, 19 points, four rebounds. His ability to use his length um, and and also his improved skill set, all that credit goes to Javante Holmes, the coach for East, the trainer extraordinaire um, who's now taking over that program for uh, Penny Hardaway. He's a player development guy. And Malcolm Banders, not only is he, is he hitting the free throw line jump shot, but he's putting it on the deck, finishing and transition. And I think that's something that's going to bode well for the University of Memphis uh, once those guys get on campus. But when I look at the Mobleys, Isaiah and Evan, I see uh, big men with advanced skill set. I like that. Obviously, they don't have the athleticism of a James Wiseman, nor the strength. Uh, but those guys can go. Evan Mobley. Uh, he was everything I expected him to be in terms of a defensive presence, and he made that defensive presence early. Not the score that James Wiseman is. And then uh, with uh, Isaiah, the older brother, uh, he, you know, he just got game. Now, um, he only had 15 points, but I think their impact along with that guard uh, who's headed to Gonzaga was a big difference and in, in why Rancho Christian was able to get a 10-point win on the road. They've now beat six
0: teams out of six different states this season. Wow, Uh, that's impressive right there. Evan, man, what did you think? What do you think about what Justice had to say? What did you think overall, just looking at the prospects from your perspective? Because you were actually at the game uh, front and center.
2: Yeah, well, even though uh, the game was about Wiseman and the Mobley brothers, uh, the one who probably got most notoriety out of the game was uh, Dominic Harris. Uh, the guy Justice was talking about, the senior who's uh verbally pledged to Gonzaga, he's going to be a hell of a pickup for Mark Field. Uh, East guards couldn't do nothing with him. The game was back and forth. Uh, East will take the lead about 3 or 4 uh, Rancho actually got out to a 10-point lead early. And at the four-minute media timeout, uh, Javante Holmes, East head coach, had made some adjustments, which if you paid attention to him, he does a lot. Uh, he's very good at adjusting on the fly. And Rancho, uh, Coach, Rancho Christian, excuse me, actually, it was a chess match back and forth for pretty much the whole first half and uh, the early stages of the third quarter. And Dominic Harris just decided, hey, these guys in this East back can't hold me. So it's time to dance. I'm going to take them off the rack. I'm going to pull up with the jump shots. I'm going to let them know I'm the best player. And he did that. Um, it, it was a coming out for him for a lot of people who didn't know him. Uh, so to he benefited most on this stage because he was able to show what he could do against a team that was preseason top 25 national. Now for the Mobley brothers. Isaiah, he, he's he got what I call sneaky hops because it was a dunk he had, man, uh, on Dandridge that I didn't think he was going to dunk. It. it looked like he was just going up for a layup, and, and he just crammed it on him. I mean, he, his hops are very deceptive because he's slow. I mean, he's very slow off the dribble. And that's something I think that's going to have to improve on the next level. Um, he's a talent, but I just wasn't blown away like I thought I would. And just from sitting courtside watching him, he's nowhere near the talent of Wiseman right now. And these guys are in the same class. But he's definitely a good player. Uh, USC, of course, their dad is an assistant coach for him. I was more impressed with the way that he and his younger brother, Evan Mobley, who's probably going to reclassify to 2019 as well to go up to USC with his brother, kind of like the losses did in Memphis a couple years ago and the Porter brothers did last year. Um, Those guys (laughs) essentially played the point for them all night until Dominic Harris took over. Those guys in the first half, they basically started the offense. Uh, they have no problem handling the ball, bringing it up the court. That was most impressive for me. I know Justin said he was impressed with them in their footwork in the post, but the fact that those guys can initiate offense, don't turn the ball over in transition while dribbling, that was most impressive to me because that's what's going to have to translate in the NBA. Because neither one of those guys are seven foot, uh, seven foot two, and can bang in the post. I mean, you saw every move trying to put his shoulder into James Wiseman a couple of times. Uh, in the game in the first half, and it just wasn't happening. He was falling and he had shoot it over the goal. He he still has a little bit of development to do. But as far as East Two guys, Malcolm Dandridge, I think he's ranked like 143rd in the country. If it's 142 players better than him, show me. He went at Isaiah Mobley all night, off the bounce, finish it with contact, pulling up. That's a top 50 player in the country. Period. I don't care what wow. nobody say. That is a top 50 player in the country. And if his I know his ranking is going to go out after this weekend game. I know it is for a fact. Because without him early on, the game is out of control early. He the one who led them to weather the storm and some great coaching adjustments by Javante Holmes. That's what kept them in the game in the first half. Malco went to work. There is not 142. Players in the country better than him. Period. The recruiting websites got it wrong. He's a top 50 basketball player. And I think he was kind of a victim of being around so much talent. Yeah. And with the Bluff City legends, formerly known as Team Penny, where he's just actually getting an opportunity to shine. That's a top 50 player in America right there. And James Wiseman, um, he did get dunked on a couple of times, but he just showed his whole entire arsenal. Uh, he hit a couple threes, uh, he had a step back jump shot. He had a one dribble from the free throw line, bounce just up, dunking over the number one player in the 2020 class, Evan Mobley. Uh, shot the free throws well, ran to court very well, which is what you want to see from a seven-footer. He gets in the middle of the lane and seals very well, which is something that's a lost art uh, with big man right now because everybody wants to be a jump shooter. But he still what, – what I like to me is he's willing to get in the paint and bang. And, and whenever, you know, you see that with a big who's not standing away for contact – like I kind of saw him do last year, that's a plus. But to, to finish it up, the reason why East lost this game because their backcourt wasn't up to par with Rancho Christian. That was it. Mm-hmm. Cars are dribbling the ball 20 times without going nowhere, uh dribbling with their head down, can't see a freaking seven foot one guy ceiling in the paint, just sitting there. It was it was it was utterly ridiculous. And, and
1: that was frustrating for me, man. I, yeah. I I just and you could see the body language on Wiseman, but also you saw it when Javante called that timeout and lit in the Antonio Thomas. Yeah. Uh that just can't happen. And and whether it's on 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 the head coach or whether it's on the player. I mean I think you uh, in this point it, it's kind of blamed both ways. but uh, for me if, if I got a if I got a guard and he's not gonna get the ball down to the post, I gotta sit him. And then maybe I put him back in. But uh, Antonio Thomas he's headed to Bradley. He's got to do a better job. He was known in the, as a passer coming in out of Ridgeway uh, where he played his first three years. He's got to do a better job of making sure that Wiseman and Daniel touch the ball every time down the floor.
2: I, I agree. And I, I want to say this. It's not that we're bashing the kid. He's a kid. He's a, he's a talented player. Yeah, he's a good but kid. He's a good kid. When, when you have – and I want to get that out there because these are still kids. Yeah. But when when you have two of your best – these are the two best big men in the state. I don't think you guys disagree with me. You get, the game is played inside out. I know we kind of get fooled by watching the NBA now, but that's traditionally how the game is played. And usually, if any NBA coach, I guarantee you, if they go get a Shaq out here again or a Will Chamberlain, they're going to give him the damn ball, period. And, you know, we never seen a team – Golden State kind of got these kids' mind messed up. We've never seen a team like Golden State with that many snipers. That, when their team break up, we probably won't see it again for another 50 years. These guys got to put the ball in the paint. And when you got two of the best players, post players in the country and the two best in the state, you got to feed them. But my last summary of it, it was a hell of a game. Plenty highlights. I think two or three players made sports in the top ten. That was a great event. And shout out to the city of Memphis for showing up in droves. That was a good crowd in a in a really nice arena over in West Memphis. It was a good night for, for, for Memphis basketball as a whole.
0: Yeah, definitely. I was thinking just, you know, from looking and I'm even watching some of the highlights now, but very uh, a lot of uh, Memphis East represented, just Memphis representing as a whole because I think, you know, the showcase, uh, California versus uh, Tennessee type of deal, and you know Memphis has a lot of pride when it comes to its hoops and better than being better than anybody else in the country. So it's, it's good to see something like that, man. And then on top of that, you got the city's team, uh, Memphis Tigers well represented as well the two guys that are going to be uh, playing for the Tigers next year. So that's, that's a good look, man. But I, I'll ask that's y'all this. Yeah, I'll ask y'all this. I don't know. The I think one of y'all, uh, who asked the question? Here?
2: No, I, I, was that, I was saying Penny Harlow was actually their farming center.
0: Okay, okay. Exactly, man. See two of his biggest uh, signees in action. And I'm watching the dunk, the one-handed dunk that Wiseman had on, on somebody right there. Evan Mobley. Uh, Evan Mobley. Oh, man. So, speaking of that, with the matchup of the number ones, right, just to get you guys not saying one sucks or the other one doesn't. Clearly, they're both top prospects. But, from you guys' opinion, did the one impress you more than the other? Justice. Well, I'll say this. When when you look at Evan
1: Mobley, to me, he reminds me somewhat of a guy that I think could develop into a Giannis Antetokounmpo-type guy. Uh, Evan mentioned that they were both running the point, essentially, for uh, Rachel Christian. And the thing I like about him is the kids and pedestrians. Uh, The one play that stood out to me, not only does he block shots with his left hand, um, but he's coming down the floor in transition. This is late in the game. Wiseman's in the paint. You know, you got one, number one versus number one. They're going right at each other. And I think Wiseman thought he was going to go up with the right hand. He did. He switched to the left hand. And – it, it was just the way he picked the ball up. It, it was so quick. And I, I like to see that in a guy, especially a seven-footer. The other thing I like about his game is when he gets the ball in the paint, and this is something I would love to see Wiseman add. I think it's going to help him as he goes, as he continues to develop, uh, is that pump fake. He likes to show the ball. So if he gets you in the paint and he'll turn, he's not as athletic as Wiseman, so, and he knew that, but he didn't want to get a shot blocked. So in that case, he showed him the ball took one dribble and then went up. I, I That's just – you don't see a lot of bigs at seven foot give you that. And so when you look at that, Evan uh, – Isaiah Mobley's not as athletic. Uh, he did have to dunk over Dan Dandridge. But mm-hmm. uh, he he's more of a – he's a skill big, uh, not as great in the post, more of a face-up guy. But I, I like the footwork. So I like both of those guys. But when you talk about James Wiseman, I mean, he's just so superior when it comes to being an athlete. Uh, he showed that he could hit the jumper. He runs the floor. Uh, he He's just uh, – and he's seeking out contact a little bit more than he did last year, and he's starting to mm-hmm. – but it, it just, his ability to be able to run the floor and transition in lane, you just don't see that out of a seven-foot guy. So I think you're looking at three guys that are going to be in the NBA. If you ask me who will be the best player 10 years from now, it's going to be between Evan and James. Uh, I can't tell you who I think is going to be better long-term, but I do like the footwork of uh, – Evan Mobley and his ability to be able to play multiple positions. I think at the NBA level he can play a four or five
0: position. Okay, okay. And I'll throw this out there real quick before I get to Evan. Dandridge, would you say he's an NBA prospect also?
1: Yes. Yes, I, I would so. And uh, I mean, he reminds me of an old school Buck Williams who, who used to play for the Portland Trailblazers. Just a lush, pale guy. You don't have to run any plays for him or anything like that. And and But when, when he caught the ball in transition a couple times, put it on the deck, finish oh, yeah. with the layup. Uh in fact, Evan tried to go uh tried to cross him over one time and isolate him. And uh he ripped him, took it coast to coast, right. yep. gave it up, got the finish. Uh I, that's what you like to see out of Dandridge. Dandridge is much better than people give him credit for. And, uh, and Evan now we you know we talked offline about him. This kid has improved big time um from where he was a year ago. And I think that credit goes not only to uh him for getting in the gym, but also to Javante Holmes, who's known uh Riley Regarded as one of the top trainers in the South. Definitely,
0: definitely. Uh go ahead, Evan. What, what, what say you about uh, Evan and uh James Wiseman and, you know, your thoughts on Malcolm Daniel. Well
2: Well, I think Evan Mobley, the difference between him and uh Wiseman and me when it came to in the paint was just an extra year in the weight room. Uh Wiseman was a guy who would get bumped a little bit last year and get off balance, and I think everybody sees that. Uh, since those guys been working out with Shabazz, and they have Javante Holmes, who's an NBA trainer as well, working with them, those guys' bodies have gotten way more definition and muscle. Uh, so, like I told you guys, those times where he was going in with his shoulder, trying to, you know, Debo Wiseman, it wasn't happening. That's just an extra year in the weight room. I think the kid, he's an NBA talent. Uh, he's a lead guy, but he's got to get a little bit more definition. I know they're saying reclassify. Even if he reclassify stays in his class, he's a first-round draft pick. Either way, he's a year away from being a millionaire. He's just going to have to get his upper body a little bit stronger if he want to take his game to the next level. Uh, But overall, I was impressed by him. I would have liked to see a little bit more scoring from him. But when you had a guy like Dominic Harris uh, going off the way he did, I think it was very, 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 Interesting to see him just give up the spotlight, knowing that he and Wiseman uh, were the two main attractions and let his boy get the shine because he, he did have a high hand. I was more impressed with that than anything. But overall, like I said, he could handle the rock. I didn't really see him shoot the outside shot, everything was to the goal. So, now, ironically, if you
1: listen to uh, Paul B and Cardi, he talked about Evan being able to shoot the ball. And, and obviously, that's something we didn't see. So, I don't know if that was just them being unselfish or just trying to take advantage of what they thought. Uh, they had in, in Dominic Harris, but uh, he showed himself well. And, and it's not too many guys that are six four, six five that are gonna dunk on a on a seven footer like that. But you saw Wiseman jumped a little late, and he decided just not to put his hands up because if so, uh, he probably would have been on another poster for that night. Okay, yeah, definitely.
2: And as far as Wiseman, I mean, damn man, he's good. He he is really good. He he's, he's man. He, he's a top three pick next year, man. I don't care what nobody say. Yeah, he got dunked on, so what? He'll get dunked on again. Whatever. Yeah, I
1: was going to say, yeah, you go going to get dunked on. That's and, one thing about basketball. If man, they play, you will get dunked on.
2: It was a play, man. And I, I know we got to move on. But the kid was taking it coast to coast, right? This is seven-footer. And he jumped in the air and kind of made a body movement up and under one of the Moby brothers and made a wraparound pass to Dandridge for a dunk. It was a point guard move. It, it was a porn guard move and I'm I'm sitting here looking like and I'm listening to East Fans. I'm listening to East fans in the back of me, you know, they're like, all right, good move. I'm like, Good move. Y'all spoiled. This man has spoiled job. Seven footers don't make that type of play in high school.
1: But if you notice, uh, Dandridge did the same thing when he stole the ball from uh, Evan Mobley. He took it all the way transition. When he realized he wasn't going to be able to finish, he dropped it off to a guard who gave it right back to him.
2: Yeah, Justice. But we got six eight guards. You know, yeah. I think the difference yeah. between yeah. six eight and seven one. Man, yeah. like that—that that was special. That's that's when you go from being a good NBA player to being special when you could do that at that size. And we've all known how he could just face you up and pull up with the, he, pull up with the three-point shot. I mean, he's added that to his arsenal. And I really noticed him really picking it up uh, when he basically killed Vernon Carey at the Peace Jam last summer. Uh, inside out. So I was impressed by both prospects, but Wiseman just took the case for me. And I'm not being biased, I'm just looking at it. That kid is kind, oh, man. That,
1: that well, it's, a, it's a huge advantage for Memphis to be able to bring in Wiseman and Dandridge into the oh, paint yes. next year, knowing that these guys have played together. They're going to be comfortable passing with each other. But i tell you this. I would like to see East run a traditional high-low offense and either put uh, Dandridge up top because he can make the free-throw line jumper, throw Wiseman down low, or vice versa, and just there's no reason to do anything else. Hold uh, on. Oh, no, just just a that, high-low offense. That's their offense. That, that is their offense. No, well, I, I, there's some times where it seems like there's a down screen. Wiseman somehow ends up at the top of the key. Uh, if you remember, there was a couple times down the stretch where he was at the top of the key, lost the ball, and and obviously it may have been because of the guards, but now he's got the ball 30 feet away trying to create.
2: It's called, if you're not going to give me the ball in the paint, I'm going to go get this damn ball outside.
1: And that's what I'm talking about. That, yeah, you know, that I want to see that corrected. Uh,
2: that, I want to see that, that, from the from the yeah. that, that came from the pressure. Those guys, they weren't letting them sit up in their offense. Okay. And that, that that's what that was.
0: And I'm going to tell you something.
1: And, it me, may, and, and maybe that's just because normally East is not going to face those seven
0: footers uh, locally. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, though, to me, I can't wait to see when Dandridge and Weissman get to Memphis with some. And it's you know, not necessarily a knock on the East guards. But you would feel a lot more comfortable with Alex Lomax, who is already comfortable with those guys as it is. But just imagine at the next level. Antoine Jones. Antoine, Antoine Jones, Jones is the
1: best passer on that uh, University of Memphis team. When he the gets Tigers.
0: when he when he pairs up with those guys, watch out. Even Tyler Harris, you know. Um, so it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be something. I definitely can't wait to see that uh, with the Tigers coming in. There's no telling who they may add to that class. You know, because you got the the stuff you're hearing about Anthony Edwards and, of course, Trendon waffer has been um, out there as well. So, Hey, Josh, can I play something real quick? Yeah, go ahead.
2: Anthony Edwards is a real thing. He's a real thing. It is a far-fetched for him to be a Tiger. I know a lot of people talking about he's not in that top five. That top five was put out before Penny Star putting a full-court press on him. Anthony Edwards to Memphis is a real possibility. And I'm not afraid to put that out there. That is a legitimate possibility.
0: Man, I cannot. If you imagine, so tell me. Let, let's just kind of speculate a little bit. Let's say all the guys that are rumored come to Memphis. And I know, I really don't think that's that wild of, of even a speculation to say. So let's say the class is DJ Jeffries, Wiseman, Dandridge, Watford, Edwards, guys like that coming in. What with what we already have or what the Tigers already have coming in the next season, what do you think would be a fair expectation?
2: I can could, I could tell you this. I'll take that. If I'm Penny Hardaway, no small ball, bro. I'm going Antoine Jones at the point, Anthony Edwards at the two, DJ Jefferson at six-eight at the three, Trendy Wofford at six-eight, six-nine at the four, or Michael Dandridge, but you're probably going to go trendy. and I'm going James Wiseman seven-foot at the five. You have a, one of the longest lineups in the country. You have a lot of guys that with a long wingspan who can move across the court. That's when you can press the way Penny wants to. That's when you can play up and down when like Penny wants to because you got guys who are long. And none of those guys that I've mentioned are skinny or frail. Mm-hmm. They all got a definition on them if you pay attention. Mm-hmm. So now you got guys who can get up and down the court. That's the lineup where you talk about a lineup where nobody's under six six. Ooh, that's that's scary. That's a final four type of team when you got Alex Lomez, Tyler Harris coming off the bench, and a Malcolm Dandridge. No That's question. scary. So, if that class happened, there, no, there ain't no limit. That's God's <laughs> <laughs> no limit. Yeah. That's it. It sound like Usher, man. No
1: limit. <laughs> <laughs> got that masterpiece. Man, look at that lineup. Nobody in the lineup under 6'6. Six, six? Man, yeah. and 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 Wofford, if the Tigers are able to land him, when we're talking about the Universal of Memphis Tigers, that mm-hmm. gives them that hybrid four man who really is a three, probably at the next level. It, it's just a watch walking mismatch.
2: Hey, Wofford, Wofford to be a tiger. All right, so
1: that's, that's, what, that's what we're hearing. Yeah. Wofford
2: to be like yeah. if I had if I had to make it this, like a like a assumption today. Wofford to be a Tiger. I've, I've heard too many times Uh, from – I won't say the names, but people who are within the know of the situation say, yeah, he, I, I think he's coming.
1: Well, uh, unless something changes, the number one guard in the class of 2020, Jalen Green, whenever he decides to enter college, I think he'll be a Memphis Tiger too because yeah. if you look at not only the relationship with Penny but the fact that both of his AAU coaches from this past summer so happened to live in Memphis, one – uh, Sam Mitchell is the associate head coach at the University of Memphis, mm-hmm. and the other, Lionel Hollins, uh, is a former Grizzly coach who still lives in Memphis. I think that's an easy call right there.
2: Yep. Right.
0: Definitely, definitely, man. There's a ton of excitement with the Tigers and, and the recruiting process right now, probably as high as it's ever been. Uh, they got some realistic, crazy possibilities for next year, man. So, can't wait, and it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Now, i want to get to some other college basketball as well uh, just some things have been going on um, we, we you look at the, uh, the schedule first Duke uh, they stunned Florida State now you know of course not a, it's not stunning that Duke beats Florida State but it was a very tough matchup don't want to take Florida State for granted at all the team that I picked to go to the final four uh, several weeks ago on one of the podcasts um, and they showed just how good they are um, well, coaching everything, um, but Duke with the last second shot to take the win against Florida State, man. What does this mean uh, going forward for Duke? How big was that victory? Uh, I'll start with Evan this time.
2: I think it was huge because everybody knows Duke is young. Duke, Duke is very young, and they um, they went that basically the entire second half without Zion Williams. Uh, He had got poked in the eye, and he was seeing double vision the rest of the game. So, they, you know, they didn't want to risk him. And Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett just stepped up. And it is so hard to go into, you know, play a team in that environment like Florida State and come out with the win. And shout out to Coach K. That out-of-bounds play, man, that's why that man is a Hall of Famer right there. I mean, the play was ran to perfection, and it got an open shot. It was an open shot. And those guys, to be freshmen, to be able to lock in, run a play that well executed with less than a second left on the clock and even get the shot off, yet alone hit it, it was a huge victory for Duke. Down a man who's averaging a lot of points and brings in a lot of hype and momentum to you, a uh, lot of buck in the paint, rebounding well, and, and to you know go out and still get a win against the top 15 team uh, without one of your brothers. That was a huge victory for Duke. And think about the momentum that gives you. Like you said, you picked Florida State to go to the Final Four. Florida State ain't no joke. No doubt. no, doubt. That ain't no joke. And Leonard Hamilton is a hell of a coach. Uh, that was a team that was in the Elite Eight last year and could get back this year. Uh, nobody would be surprised. So I just think that is a huge win for Duke. That right there could be the confidence builder uh, that they'll need to just take off. I-, I expect more wins to come. I still got that that team picked to be my national title winner.
0: Okay. See, I was just about to get to that point. Do you still feel, you know, because entering in, people felt, okay, Duke is far and away, that team. Is that still the case? I say this because
2: that moment, like it's always moments in the season for national title contenders where they just say, hey, we got this. Mm -hmm. It showed on both sides. It showed the Hall of Fame coach we already knew. Could draw a play and put his guys in position no matter how much time on the clock to win the game. And most importantly, it showed that a young freshman class is able to, in a household environment, pay attention to detail and go out and perform and get off a game. That was impressive to me. That would warm me over with this team.
0: All right. Well, Justice, how you feeling? Well, about Duke, I mean, they're, they're great.
1: Um, they they were in one of my final four picks at the beginning of the season, along with Kansas, Tennessee, and Gonzaga. And that was before Gonzaga uh, beat Duke. But I, I think, you know, when you look at uh, Zion Williams, obviously he sat out. Cam Reddish shows that he's, he's a big game guy uh, making that shot like that. So, and the credit goes to Coach K for drawing up the play but uh, you still got to go out and make the shot. If you miss a shot, then it, it's off or not. And uh, Cam Reddish showed that. R.J. Barrett, he's leading the ACC in scoring. Zion's right behind him. Um, so I think when you talk about Duke, there, it's no doubt they're, they're a contender. But there's some other teams who uh, have still let, yet to lose. One of them is Virginia, who we've seen uh, be somewhat of a pretender when it comes to, to uh, NCAA tournament play. So I'm going to put them back on that same line as a pretender. Uh because I don't think that uh Tony Bennett has shown the ability uh to win the big games when he's uh let's just say the number 1 seed and it looks like they're on line to be that this season. The other team is Michigan and uh I know that was one of Evans' uh, dark horses early in the season and they've shown no signs of letting up. Every time they play a game against a solid team or a good team, they beat them convincingly. This week they beat Illinois uh, on the road 79-69 and then came back beating uh, Northwestern by 20. Uh, That's following uh, wins over Penn State and also uh, Indiana, who was ranked number 21 at the time. So when you look at Michigan, uh, that John Beeline, he just continues to reload uh, season after season. And uh, right now that team is led by Matthews and uh, Poole, as well as uh, Ignis uh, Brodsky, who's a 6'7", 215-pound freshman. This kid's averaging 16 points, five rebounds, and assists. Uh, Michigan at 17-0, and 0, they're right there among the best teams in the country. And not to mention a uh, Tennessee team, uh, sure. not to forget Tennessee, who uh, also beat the T- Memphis Tigers and uh, lost their only close loss was a, a, a game to Kansas. In which uh, Grant Williams fouled out in overtime, Tennessee uh, still managed to keep rolling. So um, they're they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with as well. But certainly, uh, Virginia is going to be my pretender, and I, I'll continue to go with those other
0: final four picks as, as my um, my pretender uh, contenders. Michigan needs to be the number one team in the country. I agree. Uh, yeah. Next week, to be honest with you, I mean they're still fifteen and zero. I know people love Duke. And Duke is great. I'm not saying they're not, but I'm just saying they have one loss, uh, Michigan, and their strength of schedule is just ridiculous. And they're just plowing through. It seems like uh, Michigan could go 25-0, um, yeah.
1: and they'll still remain behind Duke unless Duke has to lose one more game in order for Michigan to jump them. And that just shows the bias of the voters in college basketball. Exactly.
2: Facts. It's,
0: ri- it's ridiculous. I know, Evan, you're probably ready to go in on that, because I'm just looking at oh. No, yeah, yeah, go ahead.
2: No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh.
0: Yeah, but I'm just saying, the AP top 25 Michigan is number two, um, and I know you know this is yet to be updated for this this coming week. But number two and number four on the coaches poll. I'm like, how are they behind Tennessee? Come on now, and Virginia. That, that's, that's just a joke, you know. John line to me is the best coach in the country. Period. And I feel like he's been that way. Wait, better than Coach okay. K? Yes, right okay. now. Okay, yes. all right. I- I, I've always felt that way. I always, I mean, I just think he's a, he's a beast, man, no matter who he has, they always end up, you know, in the position to be a national title. Attempt. That's correct.
2: I'm going to say this. I agree with you. Josh. If you remember about three weeks ago, we had a podcast on who should be number one. Mm-hmm. We all said Kansas will be because at the time they hadn't lost, but we all said Michigan should. Yeah. And it, it just shows, as you said, the bias, uh, it, it, people love Duke. You know, that, that's why people complain about big <laughs> Vitale always calling Duke games because it just sounds like more of a Duke fan than a commentator. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's no surprise in that, but one thing about uh, the NCAA tournament, what I i mean, college basketball, what everybody loves, that they hate about college football, you ain't got to worry about getting it wrong. The tournament plays out itself. If Michigan mm-hmm. is the best team in the country, they're going to get the chance to show that. So, that's the beauty of college basketball. But I want to go into my contender and pretender real quick before we go. My pretender is St. John's. Mm. We're going to shoot it to the Big East. Man, I tell you, man, I like Mullen. And I want him to succeed. But that has just become a hard job because of his history. And he caked it up. He caked it up a lot in non-conference. I think their hardest game was against Georgia Tech.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, it's they like – Yeah,
2: they play like Sacred Heart, St. Francis, Wagner, Princeton, Mount St. Mary's, Maryland Eastern Shore, uh, VCU. He beat them by one. Uh, he played a terrible schedule. lay all America, oh, Lord. I didn't know it was that bad until I got to looking at it. And as soon as they get some competition, they jump out in Big East play. They lose to St. John's. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, they lose Seton Hall. They lose to Marquette. They lose to Villanova. And they lose to DePaul. They're one and four with their only win being against uh, Georgetown. And that was by three. They're not a good basketball team. Chris Mullin, he he did what he could with the preseason, I mean, with the pre-conference schedule. That team is a fraud. And they put them up in the top 25. That's not a top 25 team and they'll be off the top 25 come tomorrow, but they are a fraud, and he will be on the hot seat if he don't turn this tide real quick. Um, if he doesn't make the NCAA tournament this year, I think the Johnnies are looking for a new basketball coach. He has to turn around, turn around now, but he won't be the head coach there next year. Now, I'm going to go to a team who I think is the real deal. They are a contender, not a national title contender, but a contender every night that you step on the court with them. And I think this man should be a contender for not SEC coach of the year, but national coach of the year. Former MTSU head coach, now Ole Miss head coach, Kermit Davis. Ole Miss is the real deal. I know Memphis fans going to hate it. Hey, whatever. I don't care. This team is good. Kermit Davis has shown over and over again he can coach the game of basketball at a high level. I've been yelling about this man for the last couple weeks now, man. The thing, what he's doing with this program is really making Andy Kennedy look like he didn't know what the hell he was doing. Well, it, he that's didn't what, know what he was doing. He 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 didn't, and it just shows when you go get a coach who knows what he's doing how much he could. A bad hire can mess your program up, man. Yeah, it, it really can. And this was a for sure, just just safe hire. You're going with the old school coach who knows what he's doing. He's done it for a while. Get that guy. I mean, Ole Miss in 13-2, and two had two top 15 wins this week over Mississippi State and uh, Auburn, which both have great coaches. I don't think any of us can debate that. And they're sitting 13-2, 3-0 a conference. They're undefeated with South Carolina, LSU, Tennessee. Those are your remaining unbeaten, uh in the SEC. And I just think Kermit Davis is doing such a great job. Such a great job. So I'm going to put them down as contenders. Give Kermit Davis all the notoriety he needs, man. He definitely deserves it. That is a tough job to win. At. And this team was a team that Tony Matlock, Memphis' assistant, was the interim head coach. Andy Kenny had enough in the middle of the season last year. He resigned.
0: Straight up quit. That's how
2: bad. He quit. That's how bad that team was last year. That's how bad the team was last year. For Kermit Davis to come in and do what he's doing this early, with no signs of slowing down. Hey man, well, kudos to those guys, man. I hope those guys have continue to the trajectory that they're going up, man, and, and make it to the NCAA tournament, man. That that program deserves it.
0: Yeah, and they'll be a sleeper too, you know, when they get in the tournament. It's one of those teams. The higher seed teams do not want to play. You know, no know. question about it.
2: Around that 1 um, seed, Man, that's scary.
0: Dangerous. And then they got dude column coming in next year, you know, so it's just going up uh yep. for for the rebels. Down there, man. So, uh, justice, man. Do you have any um, contender pretenders um, or fakes, frogs, whatever you want to say? Well, I, I
1: did mention, uh, you know, some of those dark horses or the final four contenders I had earlier. I still mm-hmm. think Gonzaga. Uh, when we get down to the the nitty gritty end of the season, I think they're going to be right there. This is a yeah. team that uh, played uh, North Carolina for the national championship, I believe, two years ago. When Mark Few has reloaded, he got that team there uh Ryu Archimara uh is the guy uh and I believe this this guy if I'm not mistaken he's a freshman 6'8 I think he'll be in the NBA next year of course uh they beat Duke the earlier this season they're the only team to beat Duke so I, I think when you look at that um when you can beat a team the caliber of Duke on a neutral site um that to me still speaks volumes and that's why I've got Gonzaga as one of my contenders for the national championship and uh, a likely final four entry uh, representing the
0: West. Yeah, definitely, definitely, man. I'm going to say this, just looking at, you know, some of the top 25 and everything to me, I'm going to put pretender, a pretty highly ranked team. I'm going to say they're a pretender. Um, And I think this may surprise some people, but I will say Kansas. I think Kansas is a pretender. Yes. Now they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. And I know, you know, with the with the Memphis connection up there and everything, KJ, Diedrich, and Gerald guys that are carrying that team, and it's no knock on any of those guys because I think they're all carrying their load the way they should. Honestly, to me, I just feel like KJ should play more. I know he's not averaging too much because he's not playing a lot of minutes. I feel like his grittiness is needed for some of those guys that aren't contributing with the minutes that they're getting. Uh, At Kansas, that's just my opinion Because if you think about the Tennessee game He was one of the guys that helped turn some things around With some gritty plays, diving on the floor Doing some things in that overtime Of course, along with Grant Williams being out So, I think With the loss of Izabuki Things like that um, The load is heavy uh, For Dedrick Lawson And he's going to have to go huge And I think he will He's going to have to be huge every single game Huge bullseye on his back And I just think when it comes tournament time, I don't know how that's going to carry. You know, you got a guy that's carrying the load all season. Uh, The tournament is just going to get even more uh, tough uh, to play. So I just don't really see Kansas realistically being contenders. And I think they could drop a couple more in the conference, some upsets um, in there, just because of, you know, what they have. So that's just my opinion on them. But uh, guys, give me your thoughts on next. So I wanted to get to Kansas. It's the last thing here um, also, but uh, Evan Justice, whoever wants to take it. I agree. I think Kevin uh, Kansas
1: is a, a pretender in that sense. Uh, mm-hmm. They've won some close games, uh, yeah. but I'm, I'm just not sold on them. Though it could be a blessing in disguise for, uh, in a lot of ways, that Azabuki is out for the season because that's going to cause them to – uh, be even more reliant on Dedrick Lawson, which could be a good thing. I That's just true. think the support pieces around him are not there uh, outside of LeGerald, Vick, and, and Devin Dotson. Uh, I think there's just a huge drop-off, uh, and and I suspect – I don't I don't think Kansas is going to get back there. They, they lost an early one last year in the NCAA tournament. I'm not saying they're going to lose that early this season, but uh, I don't have them going any deeper than uh, Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Evan, what
0: you think?
2: I think they'll still win the Big Twelve.
0: Bill Self has
2: dealt with adversity before. It's not the first time that they've lost a conference game early. Uh, Back when um, Oklahoma, um, about two, three years ago, they had a, a team out there ranked early, like top seven in the conference. I mean, in the country. And they actually play a uh, Josh Pass the Memphis team uh, the second game of the year here. They had Buddy Yell. And everybody thought that team was just going to be great and they were going to upset Kansas in the Big one again. Uh, it didn't happen. Uh, everybody said, Texas Tech, hey, Texas Tech, Chris Beard, he got on top 10. Hey, he's the greatest coach to ever come through Lubbock. They're going to win this year. Never happened. That's Deidre Flaw is not going to let Kansas streak snap under his watch. Forget about it. It's not happening. Anytime that that team look like it's about to it's about to drown or it's about to lose, that man goes on an eight to ten 0 run by himself.
0: That's true.
2: He, he's not going to lose. Or well, Lajero Vicks just decides he wanna do, do a, a Reggie Miller impersonation and drop seven threes. Mm-hmm. Like that those guys that's 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 that South Memphis and North Memphis mentality. I was going to say, yeah, that's, that's, that's that uh and yeah, Rice, man. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's that's a crazy the kid. Team, man. kid. You ain't finna beat us. That, that's what that is. And Bill Self, he needed those guys on this team. Could you imagine this team without LeGerald, Vick, and Deidre Lawson? It's not a top team for our team. Dead, they're
0: dead. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So I don't think, this is just for me, knowing personally what those environments and, and the type of games these guys play in the city, those guys are don't think that they're not thinking about that Big 12 title being title run being snapped under their watch. They ain't going. Okay. I agree.
0: They I agree. ain't going. I just, my, my even, only thing is, how much of a load can one take? And even if you're great, right? I guess it just shows the level of greatness or how big the level of great, greatness is with Dietrich because he got some big games coming up as well. And we'll see how they do during this stretch. I mean, you look just within the next 10, I'm not even. Just, as much worried about Texas, but at West Virginia, yeah, absolutely. At West Virginia, Iowa State, at Kentucky, uh, Texas Tech, at Kansas State, you know, so those are some games that could potentially be dangerous. And I think that stretch, to me, will define their season.
2: But check out the teams you're saying. Texas is a a bad team. West Virginia is like nine and six. That's that's not a team that you're going to beat. You know, I mean that's not a team that's gonna beat you. Iowa State, they're coming to Kansas. Fogg, that's a hard place to win. I got Kansas in there. Kentucky, this is not a good t- Kentucky team. Texas has to come back to Kansas. All right. Texas Culver as an NBA like legitimate NBA prospect. That's just yeah. a product of the system. So in that game this is gonna come down to the clipboard. Who clipboard game is better? Bill Be Self Chris Beard. Mm. That's what it's gonna come down to. Like, we're talking about the players. This thing ain't going to come down to culture too, Jim. Like well, –
1: What we saw with that Texas Tech team, when they played Duke on a neutral site, they're capable of going toe-to-toe with some pretty good teams.
2: Yeah, I agree. But I'm going to tell you this. They ain't stopping Deidre Ross. They ain't doing that.
1: They don't have an answer for Deidre. In in fact, I, I'm not sure that any team in the
2: country has an answer for Deidre. No, sir. Heard. And Bill self – He's hard on Deidre. He he throw a little pranks at him. Ah, oh, that was the worst 30 and 15 game I ever seen. You keep talking that shit, but you go to him every time when you need him. Yep. Every time your team's down or every time a lead's getting cut, you go right to Deidre. Every time. I think those guys still come out the Big 12, man. Now, I agree with you. I don't see him being a Final Four team, and I think all of us probably had him in our Final Four earlier. But. Yeah, probably. I don't see them. And that was before Azebuki was hurt. Like, if he if he's not hurt, I don't think we're still having this conversation because that's just another big who's going to clean up the glass and finish around the room for him. But, but let me tell you this. I think
0: on? it's it's for Diedrich's favor that Azebuki's out. Now, yeah, it's
2: for Dedrick's favor, but it's for the team favor.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I think I, – I feel like he functions better without the, – because they both were low-post guys, and they kind of clog the paint when they're in the game together. Right. It's just what it seems like to me. Dedrick has a lot more space to operate. Definitely agree. Yeah, So it, it'll be interesting, man, to see how, how it all plays out. And I still stick, stick to my thoughts that I feel like K.J. Lawson can be a, a big asset in a certain way. I'm not saying taking over games, nothing like that. But just the grittiness and, you know, defense, making key plays, passes, stuff like that. Like he did at Memphis. Uh, he was low-key very good when he was healthy. So, we'll see what, what happens with that. I'll talk
2: about real quick, if you don't mind, like 30 seconds. A lot of people think um, taking a year off can help guys. In a lot of cases, it hurt guys as well. A lot of guys need those rep in-game, you know, in-game reps, and they can't take a long period of time off. I think KJ probably did not benefit from taking a year off again was essentially his second year off in three years, yeah. Uh, because he had an injury as his fresh as a freshman at Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I'm not sure that that helped. Him. I'm not sure. So that that's my one. That's point. a good point. That's a good point. And hopefully, uh, you know, you never know as the season goes along. Maybe he gets his win. It gets better. Um, so we'll kind of see what happens with that man, but. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition Of the Liberation Sports Podcast A lot of stuff we got to On this one today Going to be coming back with some more stuff soon uh, So y'all stay tuned uh, Got a lot of uh, Stuff coming up potential as well Hopefully have some good interviews up As well with some folks uh, To talk all sorts of sports man So y'all keep it locked with the Liberation Sports Justice let the people know uh, How they can hit us up one more time
1: they can hit us up on
0: Twitter at
1: DeliberationSB1 and also Instagram and Facebook, Deliberation Sports Podcast. We also have the group Deliberation uh, Sports Community on Facebook. Not only that, they can uh, subscribe to the uh, Apple Podcast, Google
0: Podcast, Anchor, and Spotify. Just look for the Deliberation Sports Podcast. That's it, that's it, man. We definitely appreciate y'all for listening Checking us out, keeping it locked and loaded With the crew I am Josh Midget, Evan DeVold Justice Bolden here with me And uh, the Liberation Sports crew We will see you next time